0: So hello and welcome. My name is Steve Nebel and today I'm speaking with Dr. Alexandra Dent on reuniting spirituality and psychotherapy. Dr. Alexandra Dent is a registered and chartered clinical psychologist working with a range of individuals in independent practice in the East Midlands UK. Her areas of special interest include trauma, attachment, mindfulness and spirituality. She is an active member of the EMDR community and is a european accredited emdr child and adolescent consultant emdr consultant and training facilitator and she is the author of using spirituality in psychotherapy the heart led approach to clinical practice and her website is heartledpsychotherapy.com there will be a link going out with this podcast so good morning alexandra good morning steve so the word psychotherapy, uh, in your book you mention it's derived from the ancient Greek where psyche is spirit, soul or breath and therapia is healing. But to me, I mean I've gone through psychotherapy myself for many years, some years ago, it seems that psychotherapy these days is not that much to do with soul. Uh, why do you think that is?
1: Well I think in the Western approach we have um, been working on a very medicalised um, you know, view of treating people and it's worked on a basis of using a um, biopsychosocial model. But I think as things are changing and people are becoming more open and aware of a broader perspective, that spirituality is starting to filter into um, psychotherapy and people are being more accepting of working with this approach. And it's really interesting going, if you think about way way back um, how it you know the word psychotherapy does consider the soul and how we are now coming back to that which is beautiful it's lovely
0: well, how would you... Well, I'll, I'll read the definition in your book, actually, about spirituality, because you wrote, Spirituality can be referred to as the ability to be open to the acceptance there is something beyond the physical, cognitive, and emotional experiences in this present situation and lifetime. It can include a belief in a higher source, which can be referred to as divine source, a universal source of unconditional love, as well as the presence of a soul. That's quite radical for a lot of psychotherapists, I imagine. <laughs>
1: It is radical, but within that, it's saying that I think we have to differentiate spirituality from religion. So many people will assume that they're the same thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And spirituality to me is so much more than religion. And you can experience spirituality in nature, in music, in art, in places that you visit, when you meet people, certain people you might feel a spiritual connection with. others you might not Hmm. so I think it's allowing that um, that broadness and if people are open to it it's also acknowledging that there might be if that's your faith a presence of a divine source or unconditional love it's not labeling it as anything Now, some people might link that into their beliefs about God Buddha or other religions and that's okay yeah. But it's a source of unconditional love. That's the main point to come back to. Why? And I think the difficulty with religions is that they get very complex, Then there's a lot of war and fighting, which goes against the view of having a source of unconditional love and being a vessel for that unconditional love in yeah. the way we are with people and in our lives. Well,
0: I guess uh, m- m- religions to me seem to be originally beginning by spiritual teachers and then they kind of become these concrete rules and belief systems. You know, I was raised in the Christian tradition and if you can have Christian counselling, I think, which it has very much in that rigid framework. But Mm -hmm. spirituality, what you're talking about, is is not rigid. It's not saying this is something you have to believe in. I know in your book you say, from my own personal experience, as well as working with clients, I've come to realise and appreciate that incorporating spirituality into clinical work can not only access and utilize positive resources for an individual, but can potentially facilitate a transformational process that allows healing, possibly at a multidimensional level. So we're breaking out of this is the fixed belief system. It's really a kind of is it a kind of joint exploration, the whole process, would you say?
1: Well spirituality is for me giving a broader understanding of the meaning of life, what it's all about. And the model that I've developed through Heart-Led Psychotherapy is offering that to people, is to say, well, it's a spiritually informed model, and it's trying to understand what is the purpose of our journeys through this lifetime.
0: Well, um, Heart-Led Model, because your book is really about this Heart-Led Model, which seems to be... Uh, an approach that helps people live more through their heart and soul than their ego. And um, you talk about ego a lot in the book. Let's let's ask you about ego. What is the ego, and why is it a problem?
1: Well, again, there are always lots of definitions for different um, different labels, aren't there? So in the book, I talk about ego as being our self-image, our conscious thinking, our overthinking. And I'm very clear when I'm working with people and in, in the book, it's not the narcissistic terminology of being egotistical in that sense yeah defining it in a personality disorder we all have egos and if someone doesn't believe that then that's their ego <laughs> that. yeah so I think that that's really important <laughs> yeah. and our egos are very very powerful and they keep us stuck in the head and there are four key characteristics that I talk about I'm sure there are more but the key characteristics I've observed is that the ego creates um, hooks into situations and people, it makes us feel a victim, it creates expectations and perhaps the biggest is that the ego creates fear
0: Mm.
1: and it creates fear in stopping us doing things that will align us with our authentic selves and that's That's the whole essence about this approach in heart-led psychotherapy is that when we can start aligning into our hearts or if people believe in the presence of soul, so their heart and soul, and start listening to what their heart and soul are asking and what feels right, it helps us to live a more authentic life. But within that, it's a journey of finding self-love and it's incredibly yeah. challenging i mean the the concepts of the book you know you can talk about with someone but actually doing the process is incredibly challenging because of the power of the ego
0: well i remember when i first came to the spiritual path i'd spent uh, perhaps let me see I was, I was early 30s and so most of my life not childhood perhaps but in adolescence, we kind of begin to kind of get this ego really forming and young adult years. So, I'd spent a number of years perhaps um, 20 years of working in a kind of corporate, you know, city of London, and I'd really lost myself. And if somebody said, uh, told me about ego, I wouldn't have known, well, what's me and what's the ego? Uh, mm. How does someone begin to separate out? what's true for them and what's not true. Because I guess you, I think you said something about there are various metaphors for ego, but the one I like is eliminating God and goodness out. But how, if you're lost in it, and we can get lost, how do we, it's kind of a separation process, isn't it? What's really me and what are the demands, expectations, fears, you know, because we're so identified with it, aren't we?
1: We are, but I think what's really important with this is to acknowledge the ego in the first place. So when I'm with clients and talking about this model, we name it. Once you name, the relief that people feel when they name it and recognize it and acknowledge it is huge. And when I started doing this and talking about ego with clients, my ego used to say to me, oh, they might not like this. Yeah. <laughs> so it creates the fear, And I was like, oh, gosh, can, can I mention this word? Am I going to offend people? Yeah. And so I had to become aware of how my ego wanted to block me from making more heart-led work. And um, as I started talking about the ego with clients and describing what it represented rather than saying, right, it's being this narcissistic approach, the relief in people is so, it's so lovely to see because they recognize it. They can see how their ego impacts on their life. Hmm. We're talking about it in a shameful way. We're just saying the power of it. Look how it's impacting on you, how it keeps you stuck. And they can see so clearly the impact of it in their situations and their lives. And that is st- the starting of this journey of moving from the ego into the heart. You first have to acknowledge what is ego thinking. Now, for some people, (laughs) I sometimes feel like some people are married to their
0: egos,
1: (laughs) and I don't mean that in a critical sense, but it's just illustrating how tight that grip is, and that's probably because the fear is so overwhelming, it is easier to stay stuck and self-sacrificing and in difficult circumstances than move away from that, but If you can't acknowledge the ego, you're never going to shift into the heart.
0: Do you you think that the ego is capable of change, of softening, of opening, of perhaps even eventually supporting the journey?
1: Yes, and I think the ego can really help the journey, and it's not about eliminating the ego, because I think it's like saying, right, stop thinking, you know, with mindfulness, let's get rid of thoughts. It's acknowledging the ego is present. And I now feel that the more I work at coming into my heart, the ego comes along to help me with that Mm. because it gives me little tests. But as I recognize that and acknowledge that, I can see what's happening. And it can still teach me and still give me those tests of really testing out, well, can I do it or can I come back into the heart? But if the ego wasn't appearing at times... I wouldn't be able to um, understand those lessons that it's given me the opportunity to have.
0: Well, let me ask you about the heart-led model. Um, it seems to be a way of helping clients live a life through their heart and soul rather than their ego. What are the key concepts of this model?
1: Okay, so it's a spiritually informed model and I will emphasize that these are based on spiritual beliefs rather than medical facts. <coughs> and... Um, It's based on the fact that we're on an individual journey in life. And we're on this individual journey in order to experience life lessons. Now, these life lessons can be a whole multitude of different themes. For example, power, humility, love, compassion, trust, faith, determination, etc. Numerous different themes. And when we're on this journey... We tend to have a primary life lesson, some joint lessons, and everyday life lessons. And I'll explain a little bit more in a moment. These life lessons are an opportunity to teach, heal, or learn, Mm -hmm. either within ourselves or with other people. And the life lessons can impact us on different areas of our lives. So it could impact us on our family relationships, our friendships, finances, work, health and well being, hobbies and community. Now when we have these life lessons, so I'm gonna give an example of empowerment. Mm. If someone had a life lesson, a main life lesson of empowerment, it's learning to experience that life lesson in its entirety. So it's learning when to be empowered and when not to be empowered when to allow others to be empowered and when not to be. And when we have a life lesson, we tend to be excellent at experiencing it in one aspect. But the challenge is experiencing it in all of its aspects. And that's where people really struggle. For example, I have um, someone very close in my life whose um, life lesson I know is happiness. They find it very, very hard to experience happiness. But they also struggle to let other people experience happiness as well. And it's fascinating when I have that understanding, I can see how it's been played out. And the negativity in their thinking is so rigid. And their beliefs are, I can never be happy. So This is the challenge for them. So I talked about three different areas of life lessons. We tend to have a primary life lesson. And that is the main theme that runs throughout our entire life. And the biggest challenge we will have. Hmm. Now, some people have a few secondary life lessons alongside of that, but they'll be working mostly on their main theme. In addition to that, some people will have joint lessons with key significant people in their lives. Now, that could be a family member, could be a work colleague, a friend, etc. It might be someone that only appears for a short period of time in their life. But at a soul level, they would have contracted to work on a different theme in order to teach, heal and learn with each other. Mm. You might find one is more a teacher and one is more the um, learner. Or they're both working similar to heal each other with that theme. Mm. And then on top of that, we can get everyday life um, lessons, and that's when we go through various aspects, various times in our life, where we are bombarded by loads and loads of challenges. But there's a commonality in the theme of those challenges. An hmm. example I give my clients when I'm describing this is about 18 months ago, I was um, experiencing quite a lot of challenges. Um, in all areas, and I recognised that the common theme was about boundaries, and it was an opportunity for me to protect my boundaries. Now, physically, my neighbours were building an extension, but they were breaching the boundaries, hmm. and we kept breaching it. And we were going through the legal process, and build, you know, getting documents. But even when we had those in place, they the builders kept building higher than they were meant to. And I had to work incredibly hard. The easiest thing for me to do was just to let it go. And just, you know, that would be my default is I just don't like conflict, don't want to do this. But actually, that was impinging on my boundaries and also my ability to sell my house at some stage. Hmm. So I had to rise to that challenge and really work at that. In the same instance, I was being challenged by some um, a supervisee who was pushing boundaries to a very, very difficult level. And I had to come up firm and protect those boundaries and that was happening in all these areas in my life once i understood that idea of what that theme was about i could approach that situation differently
0: okay so it gives you a different perspective can i ask you around lessons the point of lessons i imagine, is growth is to grow yeah. is that right <clears throat>
1: but you're not having these lessons to be punished yeah. it's very important that they're they're not a negative they are an opportunity to experience and understand something a theme
0: yeah
1: and it's something that we have chosen to do at a soul level if people believe in a soul and the concept of a soul at a soul level we have chosen to experience this but we're not doing it to punish ourselves or other people And within that, if we can learn to understand and experience these life lessons, it does help us move forward in life, move into the heart, make the right choices, heart-led choices, rather than ego-led choices. Yeah. And that helps us to align not only with our authenticity, but our spirituality and unconditional love and self-love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know in the book you mentioned making a heart-led choice sometimes requires a leap of faith where we venture into new territory without knowing what the outcome will be. Is this something that that a heart-led approach also helps individuals move towards?
1: I think that it is very important for people to be aware that often when there are difficult choices to be made, it will require a leap of faith if you want to make a heart-led choice. Within this, there's always a choice. you make an ego choice or a heart-led choice? Making heart-led choices, especially in big areas, is exceptionally challenging because of the fear that the ego creates.
0: Yeah.
1: And I describe taking a leap of faith as standing on a cliff or a mountain, jumping off without a parachute, and you don't know whether you're going to land or not. The ego will kick in and go, well, you haven't got a parachute, and this might happen, and you might break this, and you might die. Right. You know, it will create all of these scenarios that will make it so difficult to take that leap of faith. But when you take a leap of faith that is heart-led, the understanding and my own experience is the outcome will always be okay. But right. you're not allowed to know that at the time, because if you did, it wouldn't be a leap of faith. Hmm. But when you follow your heart and your soul... You're aligning with your authenticity, and it will be okay.
0: Well, let me ask you um, about your book, Using Spirituality in Psychotherapy. Who is this book for? Could you say something about the book that's coming? I know it's coming out shortly.
1: Yes. OK. So when I wrote the book, I had to work out, like you're saying, who's it for? And when I started writing it, because I've never written before, I was actually trying to make it for everyone and then realise I've got to have an audience here. Yeah. And um, so the book is primarily lit- written for clinicians to help them, if they're open to this, to use this approach with their clients the concepts in the book however i would say are relevant for anyone it's just written with a clinician in mind but i know that a lot of my clients and friends are very keen to read the book because of the concepts in there and if you can read the concepts and understand them then you can apply them in your own life
0: so um just to remind everyone the website is heartledpsychotherapy.com so dr alexandra thank you so much for speaking with me
1: It's a pleasure, thank you for having me.